Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm recording. I think it was signed up in my, my Wi-Fi or something, so I'm just on the 3G. I hope we don't get a huge bill in. <laughs> maybe one of the patrons can help you out though if we've run over <laughs> with that sponsorship money. Maybe that'll come in the sponsorship cash. Phones for you. If anyone, uh, if anyone works for any of these companies, please get in touch. Hit us up. I mean, we should probably be looking for some sort of sponsorship at this point. I think, um, I think quite Scottish centric would be good, like Morton's Rolls or something. Tunnocks. These uh, these products don't need advertise though. They're 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 staples. Household names. But I feel like there should be somebody should some PR company there should should seize the opportunity here. We've got such a engaged listenership, and I mean, we're, a lot of people have said the only reason they're su- surviving lockdown is because there's three guys right here. <laughs> it's our duty. It is our duty, and I feel I feel I, I feel I'm committed to these people. So you're welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> very, very welcome there. The frontline workers. How's it down well, fellas? Good man. Me and Jamie were Jamie was getting behind the kit this week. I've not actually proper spoke to you since since you guys connected once again. That electric vibe in the studio. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> was it aye? It was good man. Well it was uh, what I was playing wasn't necessarily brilliant, but I'll get I'll get back to it. But the it was just brilliant playing drums again. It was good to see you playing them. That sent me a text. Saying it was, it was magic that was happening. He said it could be the best stuff of our release that was coming. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, shame you couldn't be there, man. Listen, as cast listeners, I seen it at the same time as you guys. <laughs> what was happening in that studio via the Insta story? So I can only—that's the first time I've ever felt how how a fan must feel when they when they hear our electric <laughs> music. <laughs> you lucky, lucky people. Obviously, some of the songs, some of the the, or the demos that we're like working on, some of them are like two years old now mm-hmm. and I've listened to them so many times I never really thought I never really gave it any thought about live drum how much that would bring to it and then when when Jamie started playing it it certainly stirred something up <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of taking the tracks into a new dimension Ke. a new di- you literally were taking them into a new dimension eh? I'm excited to start writing to them I started again this week um, I just listened to something before we came on the podcast there and like uh, stirred something within me, let me tell you. Good stuff, man. We're bloody good as, aren't we? <laughs> very, very good. A class act. Yeah, maybe that's what we should call our, our next album. A very class act. Class act. <laughs> so, how are you finding lockdown now? I am, I'm, I'm used to the, the, what's whatever's happening now. Aye, uh, same. Aye, I've got stuff today. I so think if, as long as you keep them busy. Aye, mm-hmm. absolutely. I've got nothing to do this week. I've got no shifts on. I could, I could work with... The joiners out in the building site, but it's looking like it's got to rain all week. Aye, it looks like um, a shitter, aye. I, I don't need the the shifts that much, so I think I'm, I'll wait till it's dry. You should uh, you should live stream your full week. <laughs> you should, aye. Become an influencer for the full week. 
But the, the whole point is that nothing's that interesting sort of thing, but it's trying to make it. You would, you would make it interesting though. Oh, listen, if somebody can make it interesting, it's <laughs> a little friend from Wisher. There's a couple of folk that have said to us about, uh, they have sent me messages saying that I should be videoing it and stuff like that as well, but I'm just no... What, videoing the things you're writing about? No, but I just like the things That's that I'm doing. That's not your game. That's not your nah, game. Nah, you, you just tell them, you you let, let the creative uh, genius do, do his work and they, they stick to enjoying it. Aye. That's, that's quite offensive what they're saying, that. Tell those people. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> fuck right off. <laughs> Aye, fuck off. Why don't you guys <laughs> fuck right off? Why don't you fuck off and leave it? <laughs> Who asked you? <laughs> Having a good swear, a, a good swear's good, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> good fucking swear. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys like to fucking swear, Aye. <laughs> <laughs> you any further on me? A job? Yeah. Jesus, mate. If I've, if I've done one CV, I've done them all. Um, <laughs> I have got a, well, I think I got a job. Right. But it doesn't start. <laughs> well, <laughs> done an interview with this PR company that are pretty fucking. It's got big clients and all that. But. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. But they're doing a Latin American campaign. And right. and 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 Paraguay campaign for this booze. Have you have Kettle you lied Lord. and say that you can speak Spanish? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> Fluent in Spanish. But they're they're waiting on the client because there's another PR company involved in it as well. They're waiting on the client basically confirming what's happening, and then I'll be chief video editor on the on the thing. That's good, man. I hopefully that happens. I've also applied for some fucking belters like that one, that podcast editor one. That one, that one seemed perfect, man. Mate, I've actually been dreaming about that job. Like, I swear to God, dreaming about I it. I hope you get it. Is there like a closing date for the applications or whatever? 17th of February. So, I've, like, I, in fact, I'll read you it, right? So, do you want to read my podcast pitches? Aye, definitely. So, this is a job. So, just for anyone listening, what is it? It's a, a job. The role come up for uh, a podcast producer uh, down here, down south. And, eh. Uh, <laughs> So the, so the brief was, basically, if you've ever worked in a podcast before, I was like, well, fuck, have I ever? <laughs> 40, actually. <laughs> 42? One of the questions was, write a podcast pitch for a sports personality that's, that's not got a podcast, but who would be really good. Right. It's only 250 words, so I went over and above. I'd done three <laughs> pit, podcast pitch for them. Uh, the first one was Roy Keane <laughs> and, and Mika Richards. Roy Keane used to play with Manu, and Richards used to play with City. So I wrote... They were once on opposing sides of the Manchester Divide. Now the most unlikely duo take their friendship off screen. Taking a look at the week ahead, we hear unfiltered opinions from the most critical man in football, Roy Keane, as he tears through the pretenders in the modern game. Mika, as always, is there to provide some light with his signature laugh and positive perspective. Each episode will include weekly hot talking points and team news, managers and prospective transfers. Plus, and exclusive stories from the playing years. Another one. Fucking hell. Tyson Fury. He's a two-time world heavyweight champion. Undefeated, proud <laughs> and loud. The Gypsy King pulls no punches as he gives an insight to what it takes to not just be physically tough, but mentally strong too. Redefining the alpha male, Tyson Fury transcends sporting divides for a podcast not just for the avid boxing fan, but anyone with obstacles to overcome. And here's another one here, Dina Asher-Smith. When the whole world grinds to a halt, how do you pick up the pace? She's the fastest woman in British history, but with nowhere to run, Dina Asher-Smith <laughs> brings us unparalleled access to the front runners in athletics. 
and we hear how they manage to maintain their discipline and fitness during a pandemic. Weekly stories and features clubs as Dina discusses the issues that matter to you in athletics the most. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Class. Hey, so what, what, uh, cool. what does is Dina? What does she run? She's uh, she's the fastest woman in British uh, athletics. She's a hundred meter sprinter. Right. I hope you get it, man. That seems like it's perfect, perfect for you. Oh man, I was so buzzing when it came up, man, and it's fucking know, good coin that. in it as well, eh? <laughs> for a mad <laughs> fucking fake job. How, how, where have they got the money from? Fuck it, Fuck don't question it. But hey, I'll, I'll wrap it up, bro. Where do you, like, find jobs like that? Know that I'm going to try and apply for these jobs, Dave, but like... Where, where, <laughs> aye, well, that's the thing, They're not the kind of things it, you see it, on cv.com or whatever. Or? There's just certain sort of, like, industry websites and shit like that that you can uh, go through rabbit holes and... and you end up on them, kind of thing. Through your connections? Them. Through my connections, mate. Don't worry. Don't want to give the game away. <laughs> I know there's a lot of listeners on here. <laughs> so, aye, here's fucking hoping, man pandemic can throw me a bone hope so man um, so I think by the way I was, I was thinking Daz we should make we should. it'd be cool if you could make some Jamie's Journal music I was thinking we could we could make it on the podcast but we maybe don't have enough time today but um, we could maybe just talk about what you want what you want to sound like and I can go away and, and uh, make it or or what, what I was thinking is if we come up with a, a few lyrics, you could just sing them now, Jamie, and then I could take the audio from this and try and make make a wee song out of it. If we if we decide uh, on some words and I think that's a great idea. Right right off the bat, just to just to fucking spitball it here, I, I I think it should be like Jamie's journal. Hey, Jamie's journal, writing down everything I see. Jamie's journal. Hey, Jamie's journal. Hey. Writing down everything <laughs> for me. Aye, I think that's a good man. Just use that, does. What? Just use chaos singing that. Aye. Do 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 a clean one. Um, <clears throat> Jamie's journal. Ah, oh, sorry. <clears throat> Jamie's journal. No, no. Jamie's journal. Hey, Jamie's journal. Hey, writing down things I see. Jamie's journal. Hey, Jamie's journal. Hey, everything that matters to me. Oh, and then, uh, oh, what fun I have when I write <laughs> <laughs> my purest thoughts. And oh, what fun I have tonight, connecting all my dots. I say, Jamie Journal, hey, Jamie Journal, hey, writing down everything for me. Ah, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It was kind of in the melody, some sort of Christmas thing there, like uh, Jingle Bells, but that sounds good, man. If I, if I can do something with that audio, I'll uh, I will. If not, I'll make the music and then we, we can sing over it. Well, Kerr, what would be good is see like the pictures you done about Roy Keane's podcast and that. See if you done one for me and then you just read that. That was the the introduction. Absolutely, I'll I'll do that. So I'll get that. I'll get that. If Daz does that, then I I can I'll add another bit on it, like, right. like selling it. It's <laughs> like an advert. Class. So speaking of it, if you get any more, you could give us a wee peek into because there is. I wouldn't say there's been as much fanfare, as much private messages, uh, as much likes, as much listens on the cast. Since since you started doing this again, people are people are loving it. Definitely building a lot of an- anticipation for the the final drop date of the journal of what is it the twenty ninth of August? Twenty <laughs> uh, ninth uh, of August. That will be the final date, and obviously we'll need we need to edit it and get it printed up. I was thinking about that today because that's uh, it's like twenty twenty eight days or something we've been doing it, but that's only a, a, like a tenth or whatever. So 
It's got to, it's a long time. Have you done one for today yet? Your Valentine's Day? Eh, uh, well, I've done, I've done about half of it, I think. So. Well, I mean, either do that or, or do pick a day that you thought that was fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll read you this and then you'll get the, just this one. I must admit, I was pretty romantic last night. I pulled out all my best moves. I left the heating on and made a conscious decision not to pick my nose. The notebook shit, except I don't ever mind Noah offering to pay for the hoagie. Or buying one, never mind two chocolate lint bunnies. I certainly don't remember a dead Gerald Butler making sure his widowed missus had the right bins out in the right days. P.S. I done your recycling. <laughs> Does anything scream love louder than a Gibson SG turned up full while she looks on disdainfully? And her nicer one of the two dressing gowns. This is like uh, it's like Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> and then uh, what I've started then is I've started writing what happened last year on Valentine's Day. Uh, oh wow! So it just says it says 2020. We're going back in time for this year, but only for a year. Join me on a trip down memory lane. We mean it to jot it down for ages, and it was on Valentine's Day, so it seems appropriate. How can I help you, son? I'm a doctor, I tell the guy, while shrugging my shoulders. After the security guard in his wee sentry box permits me entrance, I cross the puddles through in car park and approach the main doors for this sprawling facility. Just to my right, I spy the street that I recognise for somewhere, the pub, the shop, the garage and that, it's all pretty familiar. I tell the stern looking receptionist that I'm a doctor and she looks at me a bit doubtful. She scans a big list of names, she says she can't see mine. After some initial confusion, she seems to concede and gives me my credentials after I show them my passport. An official looking plastic name badge that boldly says, Jamie Keenan, Visitor. The very ticket. I pin it to my lapels, proud as punch and ask her what to do next. She urges me to head on through and meet the other nurses and doctors just straight on up the corridor. I can see them up ahead, then I'm frozen in shock. I didn't think there'd be actual security here. It was a given that there would be important people, but never for a second thought I'd have to run this high visibility gauntlet of four policemen and two security guys. I knew I shouldn't have brought that bag of grass with me. It's at the top of my backpack and it'd be pretty easy to find. I'm a fan of you, boy. At what point I thought I might get a fly puff here escapes me. There's massive signs saying to smoke you need to go out past the car park. I'm shitting myself, attempting to conceal my weed even deeper in the bag, but the receptionist is telling me that I'm late and they're all waiting on me. I'm wondering if this increased security has anything to do with the new virus that's all over the news. I was in London for a few days last week and there's loads of stuff at the airports about washing your hands because there's a mad disease on the loose. There's a couple of cases down in London but it'll surely not happen up here. Plus, the country's prepared for it anyway. It's happened before with SARS, bird flu, and E. coli. No big deal. Uh, and then it's based, then I, I've not started it yet, but I'll basically just be saying about how I'm not a doctor, I'm just an extra in River City. But <laughs> how all the nurses and doctors are looking at me going, You're not a doctor. And I go, I try to say, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Look, the email says I'm a doctor. It's funny because uh, literally one of our first podcasts. I was about that. I. Or, it, or certainly at some point in this pod, podcast history that has been documented when we talk Aye. about that exact day. Already this is kind of, this is proven as quite the time capsule of podcast this. Certainly and is. People will be able to listen back and historians 
and, and figure out where exactly these three great gentlemen were in their lives. <laughs> uh, give us another one, Jamie. Give us a completed day. I think one of the days get deleted, so I think this is the only day that I've no wrote it and then wrote it the next day. If that makes sense. So one of them get deleted, so you done it? You done two in one day? Aye, I've, I've not even read this back, so I'll just read it out now. Uh, this is Saturday, but I'm trying to mind roughly what I wrote down yesterday. The computer ran out of battery before I got to save it. I'm having to summon all my remembering spirits. I'm just in the middle of my trance-like state now, and soon we shall commence. Oh aye, yesterday I got up all cheery. The sunshine still hid me went away. Another cracker. After my local wishy breakfast delicacy of a fag and diluting juice. My juice to water ratios are finely tuned by now. I had my big fr- <laughs> I had my big French test. Legs am on. After after a sacra blue I start, I managed to I managed to follow the scent of fresh baguettes to a modest glory. According to the Duolingo app, I've completed 31% of the course, whilst mastering 21%. Apparently 1,242 words have been learned over the, the course of this 280 odd days. Obviously there's no end result in learning a language, considering that a language is a constant evolution. Even the French that I've learned so far is probably a million miles away from how people would even talk. But I'm determined more than ever to put these 1,242 words into good use. I can't wait to finally be in France telling them all that I know 21% of their mother tongue. <laughs> Once l'examen had finished, I jumped around to see Mrs Jamal. Uh, Mrs Jamal's a, the woman for the shop that I've introduced over the last week or so. Right, so right, she's, okay. in it, she's in it every other day, so... Right. I jumped around to see so, Mrs so, Jamal. So the reader, the reader knows her by now, sort of thing? Aye, aye. Right. <laughs> the wee dinger ding does entered the small store and she peeped round for a hint of space raiders. She's like that to us as I walk across the counter. Butter and hon. Oh, is that you in for butter? The way she says butter's brilliant. <laughs> aye, uh, that, that's me in for butter. I can't be fucked with this. You know getting your bottle of buck fast? She suspiciously inquires. Bear in mind it's about 9.30am. And I've only ever bought Bucky twice after Mrs. Jamal. <laughs> eh, nah, no the day. You could mix the wine with the butter and call it butter fast. And then she starts this weird as fuck sort of shrill giggle. <laughs> Cause I wasn't working yesterday, I was able to undertake my philanthropic duties at the food bank. The local food bank is about 10 year old and run out this church hall in Belhaven Terrace. My mom and dad have helped at it for years. But I took up their spot about a year ago when, due to whatever illness that my mom's got, her and my dad had to shield for the virus. I've absolutely loved my time doing there. Obviously, it's a scandal that they even exist in the first place, but going down there to help on a Friday has given me a small purpose and reminds me that I've been dealt a really good hand in life. I might not have any wealth or that, but I'm happy with my lot. It's a fucking travesty that instead of government helping people, it's down to the public to make donations and distribute it. Anyway, doing it at this church hall, it's a total scream. Apart from David, the manager, and a big guy for the same church, Big Chrissy, the rest of the volunteers are all these old women. It's these women that bring the comedy gold to the scenario. They're all super nice individually, but they cause funny wee arguments amongst themselves. An odd gaggle of assorted octogenarians. Isabel comes for Lanark, 
but she used to live in a boat in Guernsey. She's got this sort of spitting image style big massive glasses and she's been there the longest. I'd consider her the high hygien. Then there's Dolores that sorts out the cans for the jars and puts the dates and stuff and chucks out the old food. She's about four feet tall and the air to Isabel's throne. A couple of stray whiskers protrude for her chin and she always says to me, too many chiefs and no enough Indians. I think this is relayed to me to get me on her side and kid on that she's just a monkey like myself. I'm positive that she'd be the power hungry general. She'd just bide in her time for the coup d'etat. There's Irene and all. She's like me. She just does what she's told. I think she might silently resent the others, but she just soldiers on. Finally, there's the sporadic appearing motherful ladies. This is when it becomes seriously ineffable. Beyond description, but I'll get a bash. When the beacons have been lit for reinforcements from time to time, the motherful ladies have answered the call. <laughs> the, <laughs> their names are interchangeable and not really important. They come masked, gloved and PPE'd right up to the high heavens and you just know when they've arrived. <laughs> New methods are employed by these motherful ladies. The beans start getting separated for the beans and the sausages. The dates for the cereal starts getting written on the top of the box instead of the front. The women who wish you are generally a resilient bunch but you could cut the tension with a knife when the motherful ladies in town. <laughs> Fortunately enough, they weren't there yesterday. I've depleted... My remembering spirit supplied of remembrance and therefore can't mind much else of the day yesterday. They served me well today though, so praise to you be. It's time to start remembering the day, which should be easier as it was only the day. Very good man. Again, I, I mean I kept in last time because uh, I want people to know we appreciate it, but it's so good Jamie, it's so so good. Cheers man, there's a, there's a publisher guy for Liverpool that's got in touch. Yeah, he's one of my sends him stuff. I've no, I'm going to tart it up a wee bit. Then we'll be sending it to him. Uh, you just watch yourself out. There's a lot of fucking sharks in the sound of by the way. You run it by me first, pal. Let me tell you. Put him in touch with me. We'll have a puddly and swine it is. Fucking Stevie Gerard hitting you up on the old cast there, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's just chance of. By Jamie Keenan and Stephen Gerard. <laughs> he speaks to me, pal. <laughs> Uh, so I'll keep you right It's a different format this week Usually we do our interview with a guest And then we come on and we talk This time, this week We're, we're going to have very special guests from the local area Huge, huge, huge brother duo There's not been a bigger brother duo since Who's the biggest brother duo we know? You can, you uh, the Alexander it? brothers, they were with you Who were who they again? Is that the ones that were in X Factor? Uh, no, that's that was Jedward No there was there were Scottish guys in X Factor years ago. McDonald. No, that was Nicky McDonald. No. <laughs> anyway, <it> didn't matter. <laughs> uh, the bit the biggest brother duo since Phil and, and Ronnie Mitchell Feastenders were was like Phil and who? Who was the other guy's called? Phil and Ben. No Phil Ronnie. and Ben Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the boys from St. Phoenix coming on, so we'll speak to them soon. Uh, before that though. I mean, I, I would say we probably broke the story first, which is probably why it's went as big. But have you seen the kind of the free Britney stuff that's trending? I watched it. I watched the documentary. Have you watched it? I watched it on some Russian Britney Spears fan site. Aye. Is it? <laughs> what, Aye. What's the chat? Uh, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, just basically what we we're talking about, uh, and there's a whole bunch of people that are involved with it, and they're kind of in the documentary. 
Uh, Justin Timberlake doesn't come across well in it. I heard they had to come uh, out and say sorry. What, what, what did they do? They used to st- steal a breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Just about how he... Tie her come- shoes together. <laughs> 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 Put cling film on the toilet seat. You know that? that was the final thought. <laughs> 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 I don't know what, what it's they- about, man. So what I, do they I- do? Uh, just how, about how he kind of... Played up on the fact, like she was in the wrong kind of thing. I don't know if if you, if you watch it, if you watch it, you'll you'll see. That doesn't want to give the doesn't want to give the plot away. I don't, I don't want to give the plot away. It's uh, a big twist. Man's on the payroll. <laughs> Quite looking forward to going to speak to the the Phoenix of Saint boys. How's your how's everybody's hair growths going? I've gained some serious length, man. Right, it's definitely getting there, man. I guess is the second longest I've had. It. Mine is going to start growing into my eyes soon. <laughs> You can gel it and, and your eyelashes and eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I can, uh, I've, I can nearly get a, a ponytail. It's a wee bit longer, and I'll be able to have a, an actual ponytail. But it's just, just, just too short to get it now. I can have a man bun easy. Just too short to get it now. Let me I can see have a man bun easy. Just <laughs> so you can. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So, uh, I tried to I tried to slick mine back. Well, you tried to you tried to gel it back. Uh, well, no, I didn't gel it. I just kind of like hair dried it back. Well, it looked terrible. <laughs> I, I looked about fifty or something. I looked like I ran a I ran like a, a failing used car business or something. <laughs> Dad, it's automobiles. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Oh, there he's there. <laughs> What's Steven? What's happening? Hold on, I need to put my earphones, my earphones in. Hold on a minute. Are you drinking a beer, Stevie? I'm drinking a beer and a whiskey, mate. I was drinking a beer and I poured myself a whiskey uh, in, in memory of your father. Thank you very much, for my thank, thank you very much. What a really, really lovely guy every time I met him. Appreciate that, man. It's, uh, it was top pop, man. You've got this kind of, you've got a similar relation to your, your old man as well. Do you know what I mean? It's the same high. He's like your best mate. Can I give you my wee anecdote about your dad? Jump in, man. Don't make me great, but no, this is a, this is a nice wee anecdote. Uh, the first time was at the Soul Suite, and the Vigo Thieves were playing, and I was in watching you, and he was like, "Are you you no drinking?" However, I was like, oh, "I've I've no any money." Um, I was like, he went and bought us a pint, and that was that. And the second time. Uh, was it? You were playing at G two in the garage, Aye. and they said he was going to you know drinking again. And I was like, I got I had no money again. And then he slipped me a tenner. And then the next time was uh, at King Tut's. You were playing, and he came up to me at that point. I wasn't drinking because 
I just wasn't drinking. I was deliberately no drinking. Uh, he was like, I'm going to get you a drink. And then I was like, no, I'm just having a, a water or whatever. And then he, he shook my hand when I was saying I was waiting to watch him. And then, like, put 20 quid in my hand. Did he? Aye. So what you're saying then is you sponged off Stevie's dad? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason why he went to gigs, because he knew my dad was there, so he could get money off him. <laughs> No, that's nice, man. I appreciate it. I mean, that was... I've got a few stories about your dad. When I, when I, um, first time I was there watching, I gave your dad 20 quid. <laughs> right, and he passed on his chair. <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned that, to be fair. Top boy, one of the best. Uh, shouts to Bertie, a fucking legend. Shouts to Bertie. Slangy, man. To the big man. So where's, where's young Al? Um, I forgot all about it. To ask him. Plus, he's born there anyway, so he doesn't need that. Al's rubbish. We've got, uh, the main, the main saint. Mr. Phoenix himself. The main man. Are you still in with you, Stevie? I'm still in with you, but I'm down by the hospital. Oh, I've been here for 14 years down by the hospital. Aye, still here. Try to get away, mind you, but no, still here. Your last gig was about a year ago, wasn't it? At St. Luke's. It's only in top of this, actually, almost. It was the end of February, because I, I just came back from London, and uh, it was the end of February, and I seen you at the gig, but then you drove past me the next day, and that was the last time I seen you, so it was about a year ago. I've actually seen you, by the way, running about with you. The marathon man? <laughs> I thought it was Forrest Gump, but uh, no, it was Jamie Boy running about with you. I've seen him a couple of times. Somebody was shouting at the window going, Run, Forrest, run! And then I was uh, that made me laugh. So, how have you found creating during this time, my man? How is St Phoenix surviving lockdown? It's been tough. Well, I, we, we, our, our kind of mentality's been everybody's on pause. And everybody's going to find it challenging, like ourselves. But you know, we're just going to try and get ahead of the game and get as much as we uh, much done. Um, as I said, we, we really struggled at the start because we had no place to go. But once we built the studio last summer, we've literally been in it every day since um, since maybe May last year. So you've been you've been constantly creating then. You, you haven't stopped since you built the studio. We've just been recording Big Ross. He's been in the he's been coming up. So we've been the Ross. Since last last May, last June, just every day. Brilliant guy, man. Love him. Yeah, he's top top notch. So we've just been doing. Shout to Ross Hamilton. The Ross Hamilton, the main man. So we've been we've been doing the iron nearly every day. Um, so we've got tons of songs. I think what we did was we, we, we started off quite we started off quite big with with the early tunes because we had King and we had the one and they were kind of like stadium that's what we want we've always wanted to be this stadium like, even be with these man want to be a stadium band you've never hidden that we want to be one of the biggest bands in the world here is here is our stadium filling anthems since the days of Eagle Thieves to St. Phoenix Aye. Stevie see when I was running uh, yesterday the a Eagle Thieves song came on and it was so good I had to listen to it twice <laughs> what was it? The songs that we sing. Songs that we sing. Oh, that was in the, that was like a last minute addition to the album. The the melody's so good. Uh, the harmonies not a great. It's, that's a fucking great song. Shout out to Chris Gorman. Thank you very much, Chris Gorman with the BBs. Um, he calls hmm. them Gormanies, not harmonies. Thanks, man. Well, I can back to what you said, kid. It's like we've always wanted to be at that. I mean, it's but it's, you're only reflecting what you see because like you look at. I, I, I love Bruce Springsteen, but even like, I know it's maybe so cheesy, but see Coldplay, man, I watch Coldplay and go, man, they're just fucking, the visuals and the, this, 
I think Aye. their emotive. See when you see when you see a band or you hear a band, and they might not like them, but they 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 connect a feeling in you. I just love that kind of thing, and it's all stadium kind of stuff. Coldplay is a great example. Of that. Aye, has the has the feeling or motive changed in any way from that initial set off point of this is what we want to achieve? We want to be this massive band writing big songs. Has it changed in any way? Is that still? the goal or are you trying to is, is lockdown inspire different songs or what's going on in your personal life inspire different types of writing I've had it's just different like we started off that's what we want to do right and then when we first started St Phoenix we had like never happened to us before but we had all these labels coming up to us and just asking about us and what do you want to do and offer us record deals and that right this is what can we can I just jump in there Stevie can you also can you, can you just go back because the story the story of how St. Phoenix became is a is a class we industry story because, I mean, I'll give it in a nutshell. The bullet points from what I understand it was like, had a couple of tunes, had a logo, and we sent a couple of emails out saying, this is it, without any pictures, without any info, yeah. any bios. It was just like, just listen to the music and make your own judgment from there. I'm not telling you where we're from or anything about us. That was it, man. That, that was it in a nutshell. And it was the story that... I've had this quite, it's quite bizarre and quite cool, and um, it's not what I name drop, but it was, it was the, it was the manager of Imagine Dragons who we were talking to who told us that you need to be, you need to be distinctive and different. That's it. Not, you know, you have to almost be distinctive and different before you write good tunes because you need Aye. to set yourself different from everybody else. So all right, okay. So we had these tunes, and then. Vigo Thieves End, we just called it a day and then we sent, I went on Facebook, like all the big artists around the world and I was just searched like, just everybody, Fallout Boy, Panic at Disco, 21 Pilots, all these big artists and I managed to get all their, the managers emails because they all, when you went to the about page on Facebook, they all had their managers emails on it. So I just emailed, I, I just basically sent out tons of the same email to every you know, every major manager in the world, and it was, this is a, St. Phoenix, a new, a new project from the UK. I hope you, and basically, a soundcloud went with two songs on it, and then, you know, uh, just to let us know if, um, if you're interested. And then, I, I kid you not, it was like, 21 Pilots manager, followed by the manager said, Panic Disco, Diplo's manager, uh, Avicii's manager, all Fucking these guys hell. just come back, and me and I, me and I, me and Alan are killing us, like killing ourselves laughing, right? Because they're going, all oh, these guys are wanting managers. This is insane. So we got, like, I did a Skype call. The only manager that we wanted at the time was Imagine Dragons manager, who, who was going to managers. They had interested, but anyway, he call with 21 Pilots manager, and he's like, do you want to come down to Brixton and see 21 Pilots? And I was like, oh man, this is just too good. And it was just all these talks, it was all these to and fro but. The, the, what you said there, Kev, the, the 21 Pilots manager said, any time I get sent music, I go on to YouTube or Facebook and I try to find out, I want to know what they look like, I want to know how many how many's in the band, I want to know if there's guys or girls, I want to know what age they are, I want to know where you're from, I want to know everything. And I can't, I can't find anything about you. They're just new, I did, all you are is two songs. Oh, that's all you are. And the only thing I can do right now is judge the music. I can't judge anything else. I can't make my mind up about you. And he's, uh, I'm in, I'm in on the music. And we're like, fucking, that was just total by fluke, by the way. It was just like, we didn't even think about that. 
And I was like, man, that's that just shows that just shows you what music's all about. Well, for him to listen, this is the fucking cheat codes, by the way. This is the industry cheat codes you're hearing here. The, the amount of bands that'll come off this if you're listening, and they'll be huge now because they just fucking delete all their bios and just cut a couple of tunes up. Exactly, just hide your face. These initial calls are people. They instantly, obviously, hear the accent, see what he's look like. Are they shocked that you're Scottish? Exactly. Didn't know you're Scottish. I thought you were American or something. I was like, no. And it's and then um, what are you? Is that well, two brothers? And then what's your touring experience? Have you ever been American? All these me like fuck sake. And then just all these questions. And then they were just saying, you get any more music? Any more music? So we started talking to all these people. And it was just to and fro, and it was like I was just dying to get something started. And it was just to and fro all the time. And I was like, I don't know, man. If you know they're asking too many questions all the time, and it's like. They're interested, but they're in America. They wanted to go to America, but I'm not going to Ireland. This is Alan. Alan's going, I'm not going anywhere, man. I'm sick and tired of chasing. I want to be wine dining in 69. If somebody wants me, they can come here. I'm not going anywhere. So uh, that was that was it. And then... See, what, what you're getting there is that somebody, that somebody at that stage has been in the industry long enough to go, fuck playing this game anymore. You either want us or you don't. 100%. I mean, we come from the stage where we, we just hit it at the wrong fucking time, man. Like, yeah. back in the day, it was like P. Diddy shooting million-pound videos with fucking Ben Stiller and all that in it. Like, <laughs> that, we hit it when that was gone, when CD it, sales the, the, were gone. The carpet was pulled, exactly. 100%. So, what we'd known growing up was that's this is what the music industry's like. You've got to get wine, dine, 69, all that part of that was gone exactly. and it was sort of like yeah. the, the emphasis was then on the artist to be like please sir can I have a wee shot of your time you know what it's like the long road about is you, you learn quite a lot um, from being in the scene either in the Glasgow scene building up and getting quite big and then going down to London and playing showcases and that you're basically trying to get signed and it's to be fair and it's like guys who you really step back and go man these guys are fucking losers and I'm and they don't really know what they're doing but I need to fucking jump to their fucking tune just so they'll fucking maybe be interesting. It's like, nah, man, it doesn't work like that. It's all about the songs and it's all about how many folk, like real people like your music in the end. It's nothing else. It's not about fucking people labels or that. It's about how many people like you and like what you do. That is it. And if, if it gets going, it gets good, then labels can help you, you know, make that amplify and explode. But you get wrapped up in chasing it, as you said, and that's what Alan was just sick of. He was just sick of, of doing that and uh, playing the game. And well, that, that's it. So, from the point where he's Al Sicket, who do you choose? Who do you go away? And how how fast does it move from there? So, I uploaded King to Centric on the Wednesday, and by Sunday, it was on Sky Sports, like Man City versus Man United of Chelsea. And I was like, fucking hell, man. Like, it was the, the, the end credits, and I was like, fucking hell, that was fast. And then I got a phone call <laughs> the next day. The next day, from my now, one of my managers now, who said, um, "Listen, I work at he worked at Century at the time." He said, "Listen, I, I've, you know, we get sent all the stuff uh, at the beginning." And um, who's your manager? And I said, "I don't have a manager. I, said, I want to manage you with my with my, my friend Mark from London. We both want to manage you." And again, I said, "Can you can you come down to London?" And Alan giving it the same thing. Nah, you come up to Scotland, man. I want. Let's you come up to us, but not going chase. And he said, "What?" And he says, "I booked your flight tomorrow morning at seven o'clock." So we went down, and um, we got there. And I, my managers, like they weren't managing MD Big at the time, and they weren't really that well. They weren't well, nobody knew them, but we met them, and they just 
for the get-go. They were just on it and they're like, this is what we want to do. This, this is what the plan is. We love your music. And if we can't get your record deal offer in the first month, then you can chuck us it. I'm wow. like, right, cool, nothing to lose. Um, and that's what happened right away. So so you do the deal, you get into the, did they send you into the studio to go and record an album? No, we, we went down. We, we get, it came and the week after, we had three offers for Warner. So we had like Parlophone Atlantic and Warner Brothers. We had uh, Ministry Sound. We had Columbia. We had all these folk coming up to Glasgow to see us, talking to us. There was a guy, the chairman of fucking Sony. So the chairman for Warner coming up. And he's just, well, I, what I do this, why that? And I was like, this is fucking unbelievable. Just all that time begging for a deal and all these folk are coming up and uh, everybody asking about it. We belt it, King Tuts is phoning me saying, everybody's like fucking folk are asking about you. And I was like, fucking, yes, finally. And then my manager's like, ah. and then we went down, we get invited down to see Muse at the, the, the Millennium Dome in the box. So we're in there with all the, the Warner big wigs and we're going, this is just great, man. I'm wrecked, Alan's wrecked. The manager's like, ah, we're not signing anything. We don't want to sign anything. It's just, there's it's no, no good deal and you're probably dropped. And uh, everybody's everybody's idea is, they think the songs are, are too commercial for a, for a band just to come out, out the gate because they'll think it's been put together. It has to, you're just brand new, there needs to be a story. Um, we don't think, we don't know how we angle it. And they were just, I don't know, it was, and then my manager's like, never no sign in, we'll just do it our own. And that was what happened basically. They were like, eh, no, we were wanting to sign a record deal like <laughs> since, I, since I was fucking 12 years old. And he's like, nah, <laughs> listen, trust me. And and sitting here now, do you think it was the, the right thing to do? 100%. The best thing we've, we've done was pass that back because we've managed to certainly last year build up a fan base, uh, go, get touring experience, get things under our belt, get a bit of knowledge. And then now we can, we're talking to people now for album two um, and we're just deciding what we're going to do, but we're in a well better position than we were uh, the first album. So in hindsight, it's turned out to be a good move. I would say arguably you've done it's hard to say last year now because last year's a dead year in it. So the year prior to that, 2019, you done arguably two of the biggest tours you could have done worldwide. Really, toured me, Lewis Capaldi and Youngblood. Don't know how how, how for a band like yourselves there could be better two better people to tour with. What what was the experiences you learned for that? What were they like? Did Saint Phoenix kick on from then as you expected? 100. percent I think the we did the we put out some tracks at the tail end of 2018. Then we played South By, but we were shit. The problem is we were shit live. And the reason was I started off in Vigo Theatres, just singing in Vigo Theatres. And then I went to singing just to playing, singing and guitar, to bass, to keys, to playing samples. And it was just shit. <laughs> it was just, it was just, it just was crap, man. Um, and there's no way to dress it up. It was just too much of a change for you? There was just too much to, to deal with? Too many things going on? What was the problem? I think it was a combination of just being too foreign, just not being natural. And there'd been literally no 
Right, I, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but when you perform, you're like, man, that guy's fucking unbelievable. That guy, that guy just can can control a crowd, you know, at the drop of a hat, because you've got that connection, because you're comfortable. You you know what your thing is, and you can do it to the cows go home. Mate, listen, if, if I was suddenly asked to play fucking bass samples and all that part, I'd be fucking shite as well. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, but, but that I guess, but that is it. You feel you feel so much of your comfort zone. It's like, man. This and in 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 back of your mind you're thinking, this isn't us. This isn't what we do, and we're still still trying to figure it out. So we got we join the guitarist in. I text him, say we're going to go on tour next year. To we go to the South by, you go to the South by. He's like, man, I'll do it. And I'll just you know I'm happy to play King Tuts. So uh, we went to South by, and it kind of started to click a wee bit. And South by brilliant, really 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 good. Um, and then we went to, um, we come back to South by and we got a wee mini tour with a band called Arizona who were touring with Panic at Disco. So we played with Arizona in like Paris, Amsterdam, London and Stockholm. And then, and that's where we were, we were, uh, we were seeing 21 Pilots at the Hydro. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Alan, we get there and we sit down and we get emails and it was like, do you want to support Youngblood in America? And we just looked at each other and oh, this is unreal. Well, you're at the Hydro. I, at the Hydro, just seen 21 Pilots. We missed, we, we missed most of the show because we were out. You're too excited, are you? Oh, man, it was just that it was just, we didn't know what to expect. And then when we got to, we did the Youngblood's tour, it was just, oh, I can't describe it, man. I'm probably, people, like people who know me are probably sick to death and we just talk about it but it was one of the best best times of my life you jump on the bus with Youngblood was that a wise decision yes an absolute tremendous decision so thanks for your advice I really appreciate that <laughs> um, that was a good bit of wisdom no we, we got there man we got to Atlanta and uh, that was the weird thing like we, we jumped on a flight man and uh, the band Idols they were on our flight and they were the nicest guys ever they were just superb. How did you end up talking? Did you go up and go, oh, use your idols? What's happening? Well, I'm sitting, right, I'm sitting with the trackies on, right? I'm just like, this guy's just not a, a musician or an artist. This guy's just a random guy. You didn't have your and leather jacket with the... No, I didn't have that. I was in, I, that, was in the, that was in the suitcase. <laughs> idols, the lead singer, Joe, had the leather jacket on the shirt, the big glasses, just looked like a rock star, just looked cool as fuck. And I was like... Ah oh, man, I need to get, I need to get myself. So I need to live the rock and roll lifestyle every day, not just on stage, but every day like him. And anyway, we we kind of, he must have seen us just looking at him because we were just like, oh, look at you guys, man, you're cool as fuck. And then <laughs> we had to use it obviously. Didn't he stay sign a, what's that thing called again? The passport thing. Oh, the carney thing. The carney, the carney. They had to sign the carney as well, and we were in the queue with them, and we just got talking. And I was like, oh man, these guys are just dudes, just dudes. They were just asking everyone about us what we're doing and they were dead excited for us. They were going on tour with Fontaine's DC. Shit. Aye. So we get to the hotel, who's there? Same hotel, Fontaine's DC, we start talking to them. Again, nicest guys you could meet. They were asking us about their MIDI setup and all that. They were thinking about adding MIDI in it, into their, their, their set and all the rest of it and they were asking us all about it and we just got talking with them. Brilliant. And then we get to, the, the next day we get to the venue, seeing the tour bus, we're all getting excited, this is class. And there's, it's about one o'clock during the day, the doors don't open to about five or six. There's a queue 
stretched out and it's about must have been about 32 degrees there's a queue stretched out all these wee kids just waiting to get in wow but this is brilliant and then we get to the, the back door and there's this big body big bodyguard with this tiny midget lassie with a black like a black hair <laughs> and what's going on man and it was Halsey it was oh, Halsey shit. biggest female because he was going out at the time and they're like man she's just got <laughs> my boot and I was going this is just crazy and then Mikey and Adam just seen us and they're coming over now. What's going on all the rest of it? Mikey and Adam are from Young Bloods Band, for those who don't know. Had you met them before? No. I knew waiting for go. I'd I'd maybe met Mikey in passing because he used to work with Ross. I'd never met Adam. I didn't even know Adam was favourite one. I didn't even know Adam was... like. I knew like maybe a couple of weeks, about a month before I went to tour, that was who Adam was. But I didn't realise that he had messaged us the year before he was at one of your gigs in LA. And he was there, and he was saying we'll go for a drink and that, and I didn't even realise it was him. But we're talking, and he just, just the best. And then we get in, and next minute we're walking in, well, this is cool. And next minute somebody grabs me and puts me in a headlock, starts going like that, and I turn, turn around, it was Dom, Youngblood. And he's going, this is going to be mad, it's going to be mental. And I was like, what's going on? And then he just ran away. And I was like, this is, I don't know what to expect. Anyway, met all the crew. Played a show, played good. Thought we played good. Then Youngblood played, and I was like, "We are so far off the mark of what we need to be doing. We are light years away from playing a show compared to what he just did." And he wasn't even amazing. He was just, but he has this presence. He has this whatever it is. He just got it, and Aye. he was brilliant. So he made us. He kicked our. He kicked our arse and made us realise that we need to up our game big time. The, so the, the Youngblood tour was in three bits. It was two weeks on in two weeks on in May, two weeks on in June, two weeks on in July. So we were there for two weeks, after two weeks, there for two weeks, after two weeks. Did then. you come home? Or? We came home, aye. So it was, um, we went to, uh, we played Atlanta, then we, we did Fort Lauderdale on the tour bus. The tour bus was absolutely brilliant, man. It was what I laugh. Just every Top day. Top shit. Just, no, it wasn't, it wasn't top of the range, but it was good. It was a good thing, but just the, the whole being a tour bus, like going to like getting... Was that the first time you've been on a tour bus? A proper tour bus, that was, that was the first time. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, playing a show, taking all the drink off, getting drunk. There is nothing better, see, when you've not been on a tour bus before, and you, like, because obviously we've come up for the days where you play the show, you wait to the end of the show, you fucking load out, head to a travel lodge, yeah. got up the next day so early, hungover, burst, and you need to get to the venue before the main band or whatever. There is nothing yeah. better than playing a show, loading into a big tour bus, drinking with the rest of the band, going to your sleep in the bus, waking up fresh at the new venue in a new city or a new country. The best. The, the, the absolute best. And then he was playing festivals in between. But we weren't playing the festivals, but because we were his tour, we had to go with him. We had to, so we went to Jacksonville Festival and we're backstage, man. So you can just get pissed? We were, that's it. We were next to Bring Me the Horizon and they were all chatting away and we were just swarming about like, what's going on? And then we're having next, sitting next to Papa, the uh, guy for Papa Roach. And, and uh, he, 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 uh, what's his name? What's his name? Is it Code? No. Kobe. Kobe. Oh, Kobe. 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 Kobe Dickie's name is. He had a Scotland tap on in the in in the the catering. What the fuck? So what what, what was the story with that? 
don't know, somebody gave him it, just randomly had it on. <laughs> and I was like, Scott, man, he's a... Uh, Oh, cool, man. That's great. <laughs> so, all right, thanks. Good to care. <laughs> Try, I know, they couldn't care less, but then we went to... Then we, then we went to... For a day off. We all had a day off in New Orleans. One of the best nights ever. One of the best places in the world to go. What a city to be a, have a night Was off Was it in. a gig there, like, the next day, or...? No, we were playing Houston the next day. Wild night in New Orleans? Ah, it was brilliant, man. I woke up with my ears pierced. You woke up with your ears pierced? <laughs> I, we, we were drinking all day. How many days in the, in the tour is this? It's just two days in. That's some two days in. <laughs> and uh, we, get, we, get these big, we get these big massive pints, about two pints, with huge bucket things, man. It's like slush puppies, but it was like rocket Aye. fuel, man. It was filled with everything. So we're slumming, man. I'm, we're absolutely... Right, and me Adams I had to me the guitarist. He said, ah, "Man, I always want to get my nose pierced." And I says, "Listen, I'll get my ears pierced, man. I want to get, get my ears pierced." So there's um, actually video of it. There's actual video footage of this. Adam showed me the other day. It was in the the because Alan's trying to get a tattoo. The guy's going, "You're too drunk. There is no way we can. It's legally, it's illegal to give you a tattoo. We cannot do it. You're that drunk." So I think Dom gets something done. Adam get his nose pierced and I get my ears pierced and then in this video man it's just me going just going one of Glasgow Rangers just get my ears pierced that's that's how it is <laughs> and then uh, but New Orleans is brilliant it's like you get into a wee random bar and there's like, the best musicians all over the world are just aye. playing aye, aye. Playing, aye, I've playing, that, playing jazz it's like it's not even it's like it's like mental like or like Jersey Shore of that it's like just good people having a beer having a drink and you get it's good Sounds music wonderful. Oh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was unreal, man. And I uh, woke up the next day, woke up, and I was like, what's that in my ear, man? My ears pierced, what's going on? And I just had no recollection what happened. I phoned the missus. She was raging with me. She said, what are you doing? What age did you get your ears pierced? Like George Michael? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the total, the total fear the next day, man, because I, I was like, what, what, what went on? But on that tour, we played LA. He said, I want you to come to Europe with me. I'm playing Europe, sold out five weeks. He's want to play. And I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be great. That'd be superb. Let's just do that. <laughs> so, so we get home and we're like, great. And then another guy, my manager, manages a good friend of ours is called Sam. And he wrote Someone You Loved with Lewis. The two of them mm-hmm. wrote it. So my manager's got a good relationship with Ryan, who's Lewis's manager. And we, we kind of, I kind of, at the time, knew Lewis. My manager's at like, you need to you need to email Capaldi and you need to tell him you want to go on tour with him. And I was like, do you know how many texts he gets or how many people free labels or agents to say about that? He's like, just do it. So I text him, totally blank, nothing back. I'm like, thanks very much. I'm looking like a complete cop now. The week before the Capaldi tour, the week before I got a text, we had no idea. He's like, my manager, hey, Capaldi wants you to go. And I said, you joke me? He said, you know, you need to get your visa sorted. You just need to go. I said, we need money. He said, don't worry, I'll sort it out. The, hmm. the, the label or something. And then next minute, we were away with Capaldi. And then he was getting, we were on that tour with him. He was on the verge to get number one in America. I just, as he was getting number one sort of thing. Mega. Just, just before. So, but that was, that, that was, that tour was different, unbelievable, different. But amazing at the same time. Was that similar venues? 
It was slightly bigger. It was theatres and that. But the thing is, we were on these tour bus, so we were driving every day. So it was just, as you said, Kerr, it was like pack up, do the merch, or do the merch, pack up, travel seven hours to a hotel. Swap. Wait, wait, sleep for three hours, back up in the morning, travel seven hours to the next venue. We did like, we ended up doing to San Diego, the bottom left hand side of America, and we ended up in Montreal, the top of Canada, the right hand side. That's how we travelled. So, Touring in America is tough, man, eh? Aye, aye. It's, it's, it was good in the tour bus, but when you're doing it in a, a minivan because you've no money, is is crazy. Um, but it was amazing, man. It was, and to be fair, like, like you go for young boys, but everybody in the crowd's going after nut, and everybody basically you've got a chance to just say, right, you and my fan now, you're coming yeah, yeah, yeah. my family. Capaldi was like, it was, it wasn't. It wasn't diehard fans. It was like people who just like music, Billboard Top 100, who people who, you know, like the top ten. And that, and that's a, that's a really interesting point to make, man. The the difference in acts that you support, and the different kind of crowd they bring. Obviously, Youngblood's a huge act now. He was big yeah. then as well, but he was on the come up, and he shows yeah. that it's it's like a very rock and roll show, a riotous type show. There's so much energy. Whereas Capaldi shows him crooning, him crooning, yeah, crooning, and and, al- yeah. and also, like you said, there's people there that I don't know any other song apart from fucking someone you loved. So I'll just go because it's a gig tonight. He's got he's famous, and and they're very different. I mean, pretty much, aye. I remember we played Rag and Bone Man, and it was like, this is just Tesco mods. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, how did you manage to 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 work that kind of crowd? Well, it's good. I'm a housewife's favourite. Because I'm, I'm, uh, do you know what I mean? Of course. So I'm, 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 that's kind of my, mar- <laughs> that's kind of my market anyway. But no, it was, it is just weird because you got young boy shows and they're queued, out, they're queued out for like first thing in the morning. When you go, to, we would get, we got to Capaldi shows at like five o'clock. No, no fans there at all. They would just show up in the doors home. So you have to alter it. We had to take, we had like really fucking obviously rocket like maybe alternative rocket tunes. We took them at the set. It's we went to I changed the set to be more pop leaning. Um but we just we just did the same thing in terms of engagement, try to get the fans on board and we did that. Um to I mean it's an it's a it's a different fit, obviously, when you look at other other I mean he's, to be fair, but Capaldi just brings who he likes. It doesn't he bother him. He brought the snuts, he brought father son. We're completely Fuck different. Yeah, the I'll tell you that, Capaldi, if you're listening. When the fuck are we getting a shout, boy? 100%. <laughs> I lose. Hurry up and do the boys a favour, man. They're not. Fuck's sake, man. You know what I mean? But, uh, We'd need to tell the set considerably, I think. <laughs> I, it was it was, it was, was different, but it was it's still, for some reason, it still worked. It, it wasn't as hardcore as the, as the Young Boy shows, but it still was good. And just to be there with him when he was getting to number one was a serial moment. And You also went to NASA, Houston. Oh, I so it was like three days in. My plane, Austin. Now that three-day mark for you, Steve, is usually an ear piercing. I, the three, three, uh, that, you know exactly. So it's a bit, of, <laughs> it's a bit. Of <laughs> uh, so I were just in, man, and uh, he's uh, here. By the way, NASA emailed me this morning. Is that all right? He's uh, they've asked me to get in and like go a private tour and hang about with astronauts. You want to go? I was like, aye. So that was it. We just went to NASA. Went to, we ended up travelling all the way down to Galveston. Uh, and we get in. It was Lyndon, Lyndon B. Johnson um, 
centre or whatever, but it was like, we get this this actual astronaut dude, which is taking us about, showing us all, the, not, no, the not the museum, the, the, the actual place, the actual wow. Houston, we Aston Houston, we have a problem, the actual place. And I was going, man, this is just surreal, what's going on. And um, just having the best time, man, just, just a laugh. And uh, just Lucy's guys, again, I think, you know what it's like, see when you have Scottish guys, Scottish guys just connect. Like, mm-hmm. Youngblood had Mikey and he had Adam. Only Lucy's crews are not Scottish. And it's folk that you know, we Smythe, we Scott Smythe, and um, uh, folk like that. So you know uh, them Andy, all. Andy, Andy the Andy Bush. Uh, Andy Black, you tell Andy, Andy, what a boy, uh, man. What a boy. Andy, I shout to Andy. Andy Black's a fucking great boy. I've got Smythe and Andy Black on, on my Strava. We're following each other's, each other's runs. I can't off Strava. I've been into it since last year, but they were big. Andy Blackman, he's a speed demon, man. He's a clean machine. He's fast. So he's a big biker. He's a, he's a big cycle. But um, but you just get that connection. And again, the, the Capaldi tour was great. I mean, we're, we played a show in uh, Brooklyn and we did a song called Shake. And mm-hmm. halfway through, at the end of Shake, Alan takes a mic and I take the drums and I play the last beat bit of the drums and Alan just jumps it to the crowd try to get engagement. But he's jumped, big, it's a big drop, he's jumped right down and then he's, he's hobbled back up and I've not noticed, I don't really care what Alan does to be fair. And I was just playing away, bomb, bomb, bomb and then after the show, I go straight to merch. Every show, as soon as I say, right, thank you, good night, I don't hesitate, I'm straight to merch to sell t-shirts and Alan and John and Greg and that, they, they pack up all the gear. So I'm at Mertz for about half an hour, 45 minutes selling t-shirts. And then when Capaldi's just about to come on, I run back to the dressing room. And I get into the dressing room and Niall Horn from One Direction has got Alan's leg up like that with a big ice bag. And going, <laughs> What's going on? And Alan's at uh, See, when I did shake, I fell off stage, I think I've twisted my ankle. And I was like, I know, but what's Niall, what's Niall Horn doing here? And he's like, oh, it's a stupid fecker. I seen him jump off. And I was like, this is just crazy. Just absolute mental. <laughs> So Niall Horn was having a laugh, and then, uh, but that's the kind of thing. And then we were playing Boston the next night, and then we had the night off. But Lewis was flying private jet to do Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that they were doing. And just to be, see, just to get a taste of that kind of thing, right. it's like, man, this is, this is what can happen if you know if you're lucky and, and you work hard. It's funny. It's funny being. I always think the industry's like that. You're always you're always so close to that level. Hundred percent, aye. And so far at the same time, you know. Yeah. And it's about your mental oh, state. Aye. Fucking dealing with that all the time is is why people don't last that long because that is so fucking tough to take that. There's a question for you as well. There's obviously the difference in in like Capaldi fans to like Youngblood fans. Youngblood fans yeah. seem they've got the fucking fan club, the the, the Black Heart fan club, all this part. Yeah, you they've obviously jumped onto yous. What's it like dealing with that kind of fan base? That intensity is a fan base. It's it's big fan. I'm not gonna lie. It's it seems unfucking forgiving. It's hundred percent. It's overwhelming, and we've we've so basically the majority of, or a big bit of your fan base has came from Youngblood. And they're stuck with us, and like we did the headline. So we did the Youngblood tour after after Capaldi. We came back for ten days, and then we did five weeks with Youngblood on the road all over Europe, which was that was probably the best out of all the stuff we did. It was probably the best in terms of the venues were bigger, the fans were crazier, we were better musically, 
Um, Aye, everything was better. Everything's moved on. Plus, Europe's just the fucking best. Just, we had, we had momentum. Uh, Europe is the best, but we had momentum and people, just like anything you put out some in social media, it was getting just about boom. If you're doing something, it's like boom. Because you were just, you know what it's like, see when you're touring and that, it's just like anything you do. Are you on the roll? But we were doing radio every day, like German, French radio and Belgian radio, we doing all that kind of stuff, so it was good. But um, the fans were just like, on it every, like they were just obsessive and you don't really get to like, see after every time Dom plays they would wait for hours or whatever he'd say I'll meet you outside and he would run outside and they would honestly man it was like he's an, he's, they think he's an icon they think he is um, ah, he's, he's, a, he's a superhero to them man he is but they, they haven't seen David Bowie they haven't grown up even they haven't even grown up with like Jared Wafey, My Chemical Romance, they're still that young, they haven't seen all the stuff, that, or Fallout Boy, or, or Panic, they haven't seen that early stuff. So this is their guy for them, and this is their their leader, and don't I mean, I mean, he is that to them, and he is, he, 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 he does that amazingly well. And um, When we, we toured with the Don Broco tour, I, I, I fully, I told our live show, LaFontaine's live show up against Andy's live show. That's, I'm always, always for that. And as a front man, yeah. I would always say the same myself. I remember Aye. watching Youngblood. Uh, he was on first, then it was us, then it was Don Broco. Mm-hmm. I remember watching him from the balcony in somewhere like fucking Lincoln or something like that. It was the first night. And that is the first and only time I've ever watched anybody. Um, sorry, we also toured with Anderson Pack. Uh, on the watch G, tour, and I remember watching Anderson Pack and been like, "Fuck I'll, that that guy." It was different though because I watched Anderson Pack and I thought, "There's no he's point. Drumming. I don't feel like I need to compete with him because he's just otherworldly cool. He's, yeah. he's other, yeah. like I'm never in the same fucking stratosphere, so don't need to bother yeah. too much." Young yeah. blood, the 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 energy, the band, and what was going on. I was like, "We're kind of competing here," but I remember watching Young Blood and thinking. Fucking on after that tonight. I don't fancy that at all. Yeah. That wee guy just knocked that out of the park. He, he's he's got what it is. He's just a fuck. He's a rock star, man. So like, I mean, the f- the first time we seen him, uh, the first gig uh, we done, we done. It was Oxford, and then uh, we knew there was another band on before us, but didn't really know much about them. And then seen them loading in, and uh, Dom was walking about and doing the the devil horns and stuff. He's coming, and he's walking about in circles, and I'm thinking like. Who the fuck's this cunt, man? And then uh, <laughs> it took me a, a few days to kind of realise, oh, like, he's genuinely like that. He's like, he's no, eh, none of put on his. I, I totally loves it. And then, and then I, I warned him. I did wait, wait, I was, I was, I was the same. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Well, I remember that the story was that he came in, we were sound checking, he came in doing the devil horns and the tongue, doing wah, and I remember fucking turning to Jamie going, imagine you've done that on a fucking building site, the first time you walked in somewhere. <laughs> Giving it the fucking devil, you get fucking leathered. I know. It is. <laughs> you know what I mean, and, it, and our manager's going to us, "Why can't you be more like young boy?" Does that you <laughs> fucking laugh? Because I'm fucking no fifteen. Exactly. Calm down, man. It's important that, but as well, because people can tell you you need to be, you know, X Y Z. You need to be like this, be a bit more like that. That, that because you see that working. But if it's not authentically you, people yeah. can tell. They can see right through that. And that's yeah. why you always have to remain yourself because then, at the very least, 
you'll always say I was 100% myself there, regardless if it's a win or a loss, you know? Definitely. And that's the thing that what we try to do now with the band, me and Alan, is just be brothers, just have banter. And that's it. That's who we are. And we, and we write good songs and we play songs. That, figure out the lives and we're just, that's who we are. We're not trying to be the coolest guy on the planet or try to see where this next eye. It's just two brothers and we're, we try to portray our band as a family because we're family so if you want to be part of that big family and have a laugh and feel good that's that's what we're all about what's the advantages of touring with your brother there's none man <laughs> there's none it's, it's like I, I guess that, the, that we literally can say anything to each other if even if we're, like I'm talking about angry and something yeah, yeah. needs said you can just say it and we'll just listen and there'll be, there'll be no arguments about right alright right, right mm-hmm. I won't I won't, won't do that and it's like no bullshit. I don't. I'm a really kind of placid guy, and I don't really say a lot. I, I, but I, 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 I raise my temper. I get really bad a couple of times on tour with Alan and with uh, Greg, the sound engineer. But Greg said to me, he said, "I think it must be a West of Scotland thing or something. I don't know, but we push each other's buttons all the time. We're on it like slagging each other. I don't care who you're, slag you, slag you, slag you. You can slag me." anything you want it's like not hands off limits just slag and Greg who I love who was doing in front of the house and brilliant I was getting on him and he's like man not everybody's like you, you don't, just I'm no used to get my buttons, buttons pushed you know do it and I was like do you know what fair enough I, I, I probably overstepped him out some of the stuff I'm having a laugh with but he made me think I can't slag you back because you're the singer and I'm I'm uh, like, hey, you can use you can for you sort of but and I'm like, you're not working for me. You were here, just doing. You slagged me over, and he said that. But that's the kind of thing that we did. But I think that me and Alan are really intense, and they probably get shocked because the way we talk to each other sometimes, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's a, that's the tour finished. The tour's over now. That's the tour finished. Ah, uh, tour finished, the man. After that, is it now? And then the next minute, you're fine. But that's with MD that's in a close space with MD for. All the I, time. You should, you should know what it's like. Hundred percent, man. The only thing is that I've, I've got a perfect record to knock and get out. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, wait, wait, go back to what you said, Kate, about the Black Hearts Club and the, and the Young Blood fans. I think that's what they liked about it, is because we were just like genuine brothers, and that's what it was. But they are, and even with us, they are really, really obsessive, really, really like in your face. And, you know, we found out we had to, whatever young boy did and said, we had to do the same and we get caught off guard, guard with that. And it was like, ah. Or, or I mean, I suppose you, you take the perks and cons with it, you know? You take the pros and cons with, with everything. Steve, is that you super woke now? Do you know what I mean? I'm the wokest guy about. Wokest guy about you? Woke, me and you, man. Like we're up, we're up, we're, we're walking tall as the wokest dudes. I mean, I, I, I'm a liberal kind of dude anyway, but you see Youngblood with all the stuff he does, it's like, man, he's he's in the forefront. I mean, listen, see if you want to do that, more power to you and use your platform and being an artist. I'm just no used to that. I'm just thinking, Aye. I just want to write tunes and I just want to play gigs and I just want to make people feel good. That's my that's my Aye. thing. But I guess he's been, but he's been amplified into that spotlight of you are a leader and you have to. Anything you say projects down and filters down to who's Aye. following you. And that's a really powerful powerful thing and a very powerful position and a big responsibility to do it. And he does it well, but with that comes big repercussions and big, as I said, responsibility. And that's a tough thing to deal with. And it's kind of like, you can do that if you want, 
or you can just be. I mean, I remember Jerry Cinnamon saying, "Do I talk about politics? Do I talk about football team? I just want to talk about. I play tunes and play gigs." Hundred percent. Stevie, I've got a, a, a good one for you, and it ties into another question I'd like to ask you. But yes. you know the the Bob Dylan song, "It Ain't Me, Babe." No, 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 Amy, Amy, oh, yep. So uh, it comes across as just like a, a, a sort of guy saying to a girl that it ain't me, babe, it's no me you're looking for, and that's what it sounds like. But I read it was a bit uh, like in the, the late 60s after his motorbike crash and all that, mm-hmm. uh, when folk are saying, no, you need to lead the revolution and you're the spokesperson for your generation, Bob. And he's trying to say, no, I'm just a songwriter. I'm just exactly. a guy. I'm just trying to make money. I've got two kids, and and uh, that's made me because it's such a beautiful song. It's made me listen to the song in a different light. Stevie, see, before I knew you, did, did you used to do like a kind of Bob Dylan tribute? I tried to, and it failed. I tried to do a Ryan Adams tribute, and it failed. I tried to do a Bruce Springsteen tribute, and it failed. All these things just that I was. I was to be fair, playing. I was playing in bands. I was fifteen. Heavy into Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two, man, obsessive, and then obsessed with Rage Against Machine, and then mm-hmm. we playing them with Big with Barry and, and Big Gino in a band for ages, and then they went to Australia and I did sing a songwriter stuff. Terrible, man, just rubbish. Do you think, Stevie, you, regardless what happens, you will always make music? I think so, man. I've had this conversation so many times. I think there's there's nothing. I could definitely do other things, and I, but I just wouldn't want to. I just think you're just so far deep. I think, see, since my dad passed away, there's definitely things. My dad was a big. It was my dad was so biased, so biased, man. Like the, the beautiful thing was we were up making the new album, or writing songs, and we'd come in after a day and we'd take this. We go straight into his house and we'd play the songs to him, and he would say. Man, that's the I said, that's the best thing I've ever heard. I said, that's I said, you look at all these bands playing stadiums. You you can play stadiums. You can do it. And we used to say to him, this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to go and try and play or see if we could get to the hydro, man, that'd be great. And I said, Can you see you see Capaldi doing it and you see Yonbo doing it and you see other folk you know doing it and it's it's not hard. It's just you need some you need you need a bit of luck, you need a you need a bit of rub of the green and you need it's not one big thing that happens, it's one, all these wee things start to kind of... So it's, it's definitely possible for anybody if, if the songs are good enough. And I said, what do you do that? And my, da- my, dad always, but my dad always used to say, nah, you just can go bigger. Stop dreaming so small, you just can go bigger. And I used, to, I used to, to blow my blow my mind. And it's, I guess it's true. Uh, I guess it is true, man. You should just, just dream as big as you can. Think you'll go as big. And if you get close to it, then I guess that's... That star success, you know what I mean? It leads me off to rounding this the way I love to round off. It's the, my my favourite analogy of, of it is is it's like you're on the wave, man. You need to catch the wave, ride the wave as long as possible, and when it inevitably crashes, make sure you stay afloat to catch the next one and not sink. And that's what it's all Definitely. about. It takes a few things to happen to, to, to make it pop, but you need to be in it to fucking win it. You need, you need to be in it for a chance, and that's exactly what you have done and you continue to do. Long may you do it. Long may you do it, bro. No, listen, th- thank you very much. And I'll tell you what, as I said, Kerr, I've had this conversation with you before and as it it a fitting way to end, you touch back about people not wanting to deal with the roller coaster. And unfortunately, you'll know as, as, as well as us, the amount of highs you have, there are 10 times as many lows and people mm-hmm. don't know about them because you don't talk about them. It's the perseverance. My dad always taught me that. 
the perseverance and you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket as you said you've got to stay in the game just keep going because you never know what's around the corner and I'll tell them to this this podcast if you if you want something just work don't don't just work just keep doing it just don't stop because it might be shite but you'll get better I was shite we were all shite but you just kept doing it and you kept working and you got better and you got used to it and then you go oh do you know what see if I keep doing that that actually works and it's a process of elimination and learning mistakes and learning all the all the times you went wrong. But the most important thing is you stay in the game. You catch a wave, man. 100%. Perfect way to end. The main man from St. Phoenix, Mr. Stevie Dukes. Thank you so much for having me. Love you guys to bet. Stevie, it's been a pleasure, man. Shouts to Bertie. Cheers, mate. All the best.